Comets in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I am inevitable. Smash! Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps. My co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also love to do, Chris, is we also love to spoil the hell out of everything we review. (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution and remember with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, I guess mainly when we're talking about spoiling things, we're talking about giving away major plot points or something like that. Or it could be just saying something that's completely shit when everyone's really looking forward to watching it. (laughs) Right, so let me give a bit of context on this. Um, Fucking hell, right. So, we, me and Dave got an early preview of this movie. And the guys on our Discord channel are the same guy, our good friends who do the Comics in Motion, all the other Comics in Motion shows. And we have some great guys like Max, Steve, and that from um, Superheroes for Dummies, that really big affiliation with DC, don't they? So, so we genuinely, not weak, I can't even say weak because this is all on me, Dave. So, sorry for dragging you down on this. I watched it before everybody because I had time over Christmas and I decided to go on Discord while I was so many minutes in and fucking saw strips off it, thinking that everybody had watched it. And I even said that, please forgive me. I thought I'd missed the conversation because the Discord, we've got channels for all our stuff, haven't we? And we have these loads of different conversations going on and different things we're into. And I do miss a lot of it because a lot of it's comic book conversations that I have no baggage to. I have no interest in as such. And not being disrespectful to any of you guys, it's just not my thing. You've tried and tried, Dave, we said when we did our year <laughs> wrap-up. I just I will read stuff, but it's not something I'm going to search out unless we're doing something for the show or for someone else. It's not my thing. So I thought this discussion had been had. I actually thought I was coming late to the party, other than yourself, which I knew, which <laughs> hadn't seen it. Uh, I thought all these other guys who were proper DC fanboys would have been in it. 
Not fucking one of them had seen it, Dave. And Chris wades in there with one of his only Chris-like comments about it's fucking shit. <laughs> and then Steve goes, can we have all discussions regarding spoilers? <laughs> Not in here, please. So I was like, oh. And then Matthew, um, who's just done the new show for us, Dave, he comes in and he wanted to talk about it. <laughs> but like you said, I can create it, but he's going to ruin it. if you. And it's true. If you've got automatic... Uh, alerts which i have on my phone you can see part of the conversation which yeah. wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been good good uh snooker or anything it wouldn't have been good that so me and matthew ended up having a, a dm conversation and a very long one about it and then it was only when i spoke to you a few days later and you were like i don't think it's one of your best moves there mate and i was like <laughs> what do you mean and i was like why and you're like well you just and i was like Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could be right there, David. So Chris and his big fucking gob, not intentionally trying to be a twat, but I basically was a twat and I didn't mean it. So anybody who's listening off our channel, I do apologise because, um, yeah, it wasn't one of my finest moments. And I can't even say I was drunk because I didn't even have a drink, Dave. So, yeah, just fucking jumped in there. So as you can tell by my... Um, comments here, little, little few things I've said. I wasn't a fan as such. So sorry about that, Dave. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it, it keeps me entertained. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, this is terrible. It, you know, so after 2020, we didn't, we had very few kind of new releases because everything was getting pushed back. Really, this one should have been released uh, last year, shouldn't it? And then got pushed yeah. back and pushed back. And so, I think, you know, this is our first new review of the new year, first review of the new year, really, uh, for the comics. And so, you know, I was really looking forward to this one as well. Um, and, yeah, we, we can discuss about it. I think some of the critical response, some of the, uh, you know, general audience response is a little bit all over the map, really. Um, seems to have done okay on its on its release, you know, opened up in in the uk it's in on cinemas just before everyone started to go into higher tiers and and cinemas got closed down again and then in the states obviously they released it on uh hbo max on christmas day didn't they and so i think financially it'll have done okay but um i i think chris we should just get into our trailer and then discuss this one because i i think we're going to be all over the place yeah let's do it This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. The time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. Citizens of the world! I'm here to change your life. Anything you dream of, you can have it. Till Becky saw goes. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything. Well, people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Get used to it.
never been one for rules. The answer is always more. The way I fly, they will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they, will they shoot at us? so keen on this one i figure uh, you are but you know what i'm ready to go i think we can do better parachute pants yeah um... does, it, does everybody parachute now now we start off and we meet a young diana prince and she's participating in this multi-stage athletic competition in Thermoscara and she's doing quite well but she's taking a bit of a shortcut and she gets lectured that no true hero is born from lies and then we fast forward to 1984 which is 66 years after the first film and Diana works as a senior anthropologist and she is introduced to Barbara Ann Minerva who's an insecure woman and newly employed archaeologist and zoologist and they develop a bit of a bond and uh, they're discussing this basically this little wishing stone now chris what do you make to the opening of this movie <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm not holding back i'm not going to hold back on this so the star obviously we like you say we get this little trial thing and the young diana who's about six at least six seven eight years younger than all these she's basically a little teenager isn't she? a young 10 11 year old 12 year old mm-hmm. kid these are grown women she goes up against. We have this whole trial thing. Fair enough, no problem with that, because I thought the first one, and I still go on record, the first one is an absolutely outstanding film, and I absolutely love the first one. I think Gal Gadot is so good in that. Once we've gone past this stage, it pans to 84, like you say, and we just get a complete Superman-free slapstick opening in a, in a mall. And... Obviously, Diana is from the same sort of school as some of the other superheroes. There's no, there's no, I mean, fucking, we know Superman's glasses are an absolute disgrace that no one ever sees it in that world. But <laughs> at least he wears wear, glasses. At least he wears something. <laughs> yeah, that's slightly different. Batman's got his cowl on and all that stuff. So fair enough. But with Diana, she's just herself. And we get this stupid heist in this like um, antique shop where they've, they've, they're selling stuff in the background. And, and there's a guy, and it sticks out like a sub, and there's a bloke about 60, who they put like a, a 1980s outfit on, really baggy jeans with like a, a weird top on. But he's got this weird, spiky, almost almost flat-top Dolph Lundgren haircut, but really grey, <laughs> and he looks completely out of place. And they're all bungling along, very similar to Superman 3. And that is the basis of the whole film, this bungled armed robbery. And then Diana's flying around the mall. And she, I mean, Dave, look, Gal Gadot is absolutely stunning. That outfit is amazing. She looks so beautiful. I, I, you know what I mean? She's such a good looking woman. She's one of my favorites. But I don't think she's very good at the comedy stuff. And we, we get a lot of like, she's winking at the young girl. She's, she's prancing around and doing all this shit in the mall. 
And I'm sat there like, oh my God, what is this? Like, I, I genuinely was in shock. And I never sent him to Sam. Me and Sam watched it. It wasn't like Sam turned around and went, I'm not watching this shit. Because you, you are influenced, hence Big Gob here in, in Discord. Someone's <laughs> going to go into that who hasn't watched it going, Chris said it's shit. So, like I say, I apologize for that. I do get it that sometimes you are uh, an influence on people. But when I, I was watching, I was like, holy fuck, what is this all about? And and I thought, right, right, all right, fair enough. It's 1984. We're going to get an amazing Bumblebee-like soundtrack to this to accompany it. It's all of its time, all the outfits, everything are really good. Diana's wearing sort of fantastic, like, high-waisted uh, pants with the, with the belt buckle and everything. She's got, of its time, everything is like of the 80s. So you've got that nostalgia time. I, we were both young kids then, but we, we all remember it so well. And... And then we meet um, Barbara, who's the, the lady out of um, Bridesmaid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's like, she, she's going to be playing, obviously, uh, Cheetah in this. Mm-hmm. But, but we meet her and we get this this awkward character, this, this conversation. Diana's not really bothered about her. And she basically picks this thing up and goes, oh, it's fake, this anyway. But I'm still going to wish my wish. And Diana <laughs> makes a wish, which we can all guess on. But it's not, and, and I just found that whole, and we know the film like plot reaching and stuff, Dave, and things like that. There has to be, you always say it, there's got to be plot armor, there's got to be things in it, you're right. This has so many fucking reaches in that. And I, I was shocked because I, I was coming into this thinking, this is going to be one of my films of the year, this. And I, I, I honestly, I just thought it starts so shit and hammy. Yeah, I, I think, so... First thing is, right, so it's set in 1984, and I'm expecting some kind of explanation, because in Batman versus Superman, Bruce Wayne, the world's greatest detective, find, figures out that this lady, Diana Prince, was actually around in the First World War, and he, he but he's got no idea about her otherwise. So I'm expecting some sort of explanation why she's running around as Wonder Woman in 1984 and Bruce Wayne hasn't got a clue. I know he'd have just been, you know, he'd have been a kid himself around that time. But if there's a bloody superhero running around a mole, jumping, you know, from one side to the other and what have you, I'd I'd expect people to hear about it. (laughs) So, but... In the whole movie, there was no real explanation, I don't think. You know, why Why did she just suddenly drop off the map? Why did everyone just forget about her? Yeah, continuity. Yeah, in terms of the overarching continuity. With the, um, with the setting of 84, you're expecting, you know, and like I say, you're thirsty. And it's a really good point about Bumblebee. I thought that the music choices in that were great. And that was set in 1984. Or, or, or rather, that was set in the 80s. And it felt 80s. But it was obviously a modern film. This was sort of set in the 80s. But it was almost as if it was written and acted in the 80s as well. <laughs> and, and there's a huge difference there. Because I, I found... And again, so reversing back a bit. Out of that current crop of of DC movies, I think Wonder Woman was my favourite. I thought it it had everything, um, and I know you know at the time you're sort of thinking, well, build the DC universe around Wonder Woman. 
you know, if you can create those kind of stories and, you know, I, I, so I was really, really looking forward to this, but straight off the bat, I will say it. I feel a bit let down. I don't know if it's trying to be too clever because about halfway through this movie, I'm thinking, you know what, this, this is a little bit like silver age comics. So, you know, in the, in the kind of, you know, let's say, let's say the sixties and the seventies, some of the stories they're just a bit silly (laughs) they they park any kind of believability to the side and then they just go with it and then there's massive leaps but all the way through this i i don't it just feels like those massive leaps are still there and you sort of have to you know like you might have done in the 80s you know if you're watching an arnie or a stallone movie or something just park your brain at the side and just go with it and just not try to rationalize anything because there's, there's a lot in this for me that that doesn't really stack up and what i would say about cheetah i thought kirsten wig you know played a decent role there but essentially she's playing michelle pfeiffer's catwoman yeah and, and i don't know whether that's an intentional nod um cuz it could be but it, it, you've got exactly the same kind of trope there you you know you've got this awkward woman and and you know she makes a wish and then she's just thinking diana's just this you know super confident super sexy lady so she wants to be like her but she ends up wishing she's like her but she kind of gets all her powers as well and then they sort of do chris for some inexplicable reason that I still I can't really understand now. They do the same as Superman 2, as the uh, Spider-Man 2 with the Sam Raimi trilogy. She sort of loses her powers, you know, so she can get shot. And, and rather than just deflecting it entirely, she gets cut a little bit, but she can still leap about 100 foot in the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's bizarre. And, and the, the, like I say, she there's a bit where she leaps about 100 foot in the air and yet with her whole force of her legs she can't push you know one car away from another yeah yeah i i'm with you on that because i asked you this day dinner and obviously i have no baggage with the comics and that and i was and i couldn't work out when Barbara obviously wishes to be Diana, she doesn't know she's Wonder Woman. She doesn't know she's from a different place. She's just superhero, you know, strength, whatever. She doesn't know that. That's fair enough. But when I'm watching this, this whole premise of the movie is of, of a broken down arm robbery, which happens at the start. And usually stuff like that that happens at the start is just a little plot device to get the superhero in to say that they're, they're saving the world, like a Spider-Man movie or Superman, Batman, whatever. You always get something little bit of something at the start that is nothing usually to do with the main object of the main bad guy, girl, whoever. And this was the whole premise of it. And and I also found that the secondary thing is the, the wish thing. I thought I was watching fucking big at times. Like I I, I mean that I don't mean to be a dick about this. I really don't. Cause I know these people out there who've enjoyed it, but if I'm supposed to believe this and it was the way Diana wished for Steve, and then the next day, some random guy turns up talking like Steve. He looks nothing like him. <laughs> and in the blink of about four camera angles, Diana then believes it's Steve. And it and was supposed to be that this guy looks nothing like Steve. 
But in her eyes, he does. So Steve Trevor, he's back. You know, Chris Pine, he's in the film. I found that utterly fucking nonsense. If this is supposed to be in the same universe as the the Justice League, um, you know, Batman v Superman, all this stuff, and Diana's been in these films, I found that nonsense. This was like um, from a different universe type situation. You know, we, we're talking about the new Spider-Man coming out and we're going mm-hmm. to have Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and, and you can bend the rules. Like Miles Morales, you watch Into the Spider-Verse and you've got Spider-Pig, you've got the noir Spider-Man, you've got all these... <laughs> then fair enough if you're going to do that and bend the rules. But this was so, like you said, it was even made like an 80s movie. Yeah. It was so comical and bright. And I will pick up on something you said about the music. I honestly thought when they started, I thought, you know what? I cannot wait to go on Spotify yeah. and how the, the soundtrack for this. I know Hans Zimmer's on there, a fantastic, you know, um, creates some great music, orchestra for movies and all that stuff. Fantastic. And there isn't, this Frankie goes to Hollywood at the start, and that is it through the whole movie. It's all just generic Hans Zimmer music. Which sounds so disrespectful saying generic because he's not. He's a fantastic uh, composer and that. But it just didn't get me. And they could have put this movie in any point of time between the first movie and current time, and it wouldn't have made a fucking blind bit of difference to me at all and to, to the film. I just think it was the, the jokes about Steve Trevor putting on a bum bag and getting changed, and I didn't think they hit. I was sat there cringing, like, this isn't even funny. Is this supposed to be a Marvel, like, you know, battle against Marvel to, to, to have a bit of slapstick? It just, I, I don't know what it was, Dave, but I didn't, I just didn't, it didn't pull me in as much as I hoped for. I thought the little change in montage, which, let's face it, we've seen a few thousand times before, haven't we? I, I thought Chris Pine and Gal Gadot pulled that off okay. But I've seen it done better, you know, and and I thought it was mildly amusing. You know, he's like, you know, oh, what everyone's parachuting now. I've got all these pockets. And he, he likes his American bum bag or fanny pack, as they call it in the US. Um, but it, it, it wasn't like really funny as I think it was thinking it was. And, and like you said, I think that's the only real reason, you know, you have a little bit of a fashion nod. Um, but I can only think that they are trying to be too clever and making it as if it was made in the 80s and, and yeah. really making it an 80s movie. And I don't think nostalgia doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, it doesn't no. for me anyway. If, I, if I'm watching something in 2020 uh, or 2021, then I kind of expect it to live up to modern standards in terms of like just storytelling and what have you. But I tell you what, I mean, let's face it, Chris, I I am wondering if this script was knocked together uh, just to get Chris Pine back somehow. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a hell of a reach, Dave, isn't it? To bring, I mean, we're at fucking Bobby Ewing levels of bringing a character back, aren't we? (laughs) It's the fact that she nails the bloke, you know, within a day or something. It's like, you've used his body. Is that kind of, is that rape? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I don't think I thought rape, but I did think on the same lines, thinking, well, that's not right. You flip that on, on its head, Dave, and a man and a woman the other way, that wouldn't wash in a movie, would it? Actually, you know what, Chris? I, I'd forgotten, uh, but I did have that thought at the time. I thought, fucking hell, can you imagine that if it was like, if it was a man and, and then some other woman? I, I I think you're right, you know. I think we'd look at it differently. 
Mm, I think so. And that's not to be controversial or to try and shit on the movie even more. I, I just found that was it was a really interesting um, direction. And no one's picked up on that. No one said a word about it. And I'm not expecting fucking people standing out. Well, we can't stand out anywhere at the moment anyway. But, you know, with big fucking billboards <laughs> and protests. And I'm not bothered about that. It's, it's in the movie. It doesn't offend me or anything. But I do think there's a double standard there. And what I would say is when Barbara realizes that she's something special which is basically she she has a shit night she gets hit on by some absolute lechy guy and diana diana has to come and save her again walking in the the darkest dingiest fucking park you've ever seen and some guy <laughs> who's pissed out of his face some office worker tries it on with him literally tries to rape and diana throws him and she wakes up the next day she sat at a desk and she doesn't need the glasses. She looks like a she looks a mess, like you would do if you slept at your desk. Anybody would do that. She basically takes off her pants, like a, a shallots, I think with collots one they used to wear in the eights, whatever they are. The top she's got on is almost like a mini skirt now with leggings. She's got high heels on and she's got this, and she just looks different, and that's it straight away. Not that she's not had a shower, she's not brushed her teeth. <laughs> she's got all she's got all day. makeup and everything on. <laughs> That's the difference. She looks pretty. She's a very pretty girl, uh, Kristen Wiig. She really is. So, so, so she looks stunning. There's no point. She can tell she's in the tremendous shape to get into this movie. I know she went through a hell of a lot to get in shape for this. And she wasn't that much out of shape, but to really play the part of Barbara in a stroke cheetah, she, she really went through the ringer like Gal Gadot did. But I think that premise with her is a hell of a stretch. And I will say, Dave... We loved The Mandalorian, fucking loved it. We've done a week-by-week rundown. I think Pedro Pascal is fucking bobbins in this. I really do. Yeah, I, I didn't like him in this. But, again, I'm I'm trying to look through this with the lens, and, and not to be an apologist for it, but I do think this is made to be an 80s movie. And again, not just set in the 80s, but everything about it is an 80s movie. So Pedro Pascal is go, you know, playing Maxwell Lord, is going for the ultimate kind of 80s mustache twirling villain. Yes. And he's hamming it up beyond belief. Because I, I was thinking, you know, I thought he was great. I thought he played a great part in Game of Thrones. We've commented on the Mandalorian how how much he's acting with the helmet on and without the helmet on. He's acting, you know, he's clearly a very, very good, competent actor. But I agree, my initial reaction is I don't like this character at all or, or his portrayal of it. I, I really don't like it. And it's only after thinking about it afterwards, I'm thinking, well, maybe just, maybe that's what he's being told to do you know, to really ham it up. Because let's face it, for both Maxwell Lord and Barbara Minerva, the motivations are pretty thin, aren't they? Yeah. So so Barbara's, you know, this kind of geeky girl. Again, bit of an 80s trope there, Chris. If you're going to be ugly, put glasses on the, the beautiful lady. <laughs> me, me, mess her hair up a little bit and that makes them ugly and, and no one notices them. Um, so, you know, she suddenly becomes all this super sexy, you know, person. But then, you know, she's willing to go toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman to uh, become this maniacal villain to protect what she's got and, you know, saving Maxwell Lord. She she just goes full heel 
a little bit too easily for me. And then also yeah. with Maxwell Lord, it, you know, it's like, oh, suddenly he wants to you know, grant wishes to the whole world, you know, he meets up with the president and the president just happens to have these top secret plans on a fucking whiteboard type thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a top secret, uh, <laughs> you know, Star Wars program. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. And and like yeah. I say, I'm only, if we did discuss this, Literally right after watching it, I, I think I'd have been probably as negative, if not more negative, than yourself. It's only that I'm trying to digest and and think of it as a movie that's made in the 80s and, and trying to excuse it and trying to understand what they've done. Because that's the only way I can rationalize, Chris, how they've made this movie. Yeah, and I, I've, I've been listening to that, and I, I agree with exactly what you're saying about the rationalise. But one thing I would say, Dave, I'll put to you, not and I, you know, we knew we never have an argument over this. But my sort of counterpoint to to this would be, if they're going to make a movie set in the '80s and like an '80s movie, you are completely splitting your audience because anybody our age would get it. Anybody ten years younger would get '80s movies because they probably grew up watching them, Dave, in the 90s, the 2000s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyone Jordan's age, she's 20, my daughter's age, um, your kids and that, unless you sit them down and make them watch 80s movies, and we know we both have, we've threw movies on and we watch that we love and they've had to sit there watching whether they like them or not. <laughs> You're splitting an audience there by doing that, and that maybe that's why a lot of people are not getting it, because they haven't watched a lot of 80s movies. Well, you I know, get it. I still didn't enjoy it. I'm, I'm no, just no, trying no. to rationalise it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I watched Finger the other week. I think I told you this. I don't know if I've said it on the show. I watched Superman 2. It was on ITV. I caught the last 20 minutes. You know it's my favourite. Jordan come in like it was a computer game and went, Dad, I remember you saying, yeah, yeah. I said to you dinner, what are the graphics on this? What is that fight all about? And I'm like, get out. Go to your room. She went, I'm 20. Went, Go to your room. Not like winding her up. I'm like, get out. I don't want to speak to you. And she was like, that is so rubbish. I can't believe you like that. And, and that that's, I think, if she had sat with us, she'd have been like, this is wrong. I'm not even watching it. And, and after about an hour, which is probably where we're at as we're talking, me and Sam were sat there and I didn't say a word to her about it. And, and there's, there's an action sequence, which I just think is unbelievable, unforgivable. And I just turned to Sam and I just went, this film's not very good, is it? And she went, you know what, thank God you've said that. She said, I've been dying to say something, but I know how much you love and we love Wonder Woman. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to say anything. I yeah. had to say it. And, and she was of the same opinion. She said, what the hell have they done with, with the film, with a character? She, and the, the chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot is still there and it's great. But it was just like, I, I just felt there was just something missing. And... One of the things I would say, we talk about leaps and bounds and all that stuff, you know, for Superman pun there, Dave, sorry. Um, but we talk about <laughs> different things. But one of the biggest, and these two in this movie that really, really pissed me off and I was like, oh my God, that is awful, is we haven't seen Steve Trevor for, you said, 66 years between yep. this, the two the two movies. So it's 66 years this guy has been up in in heaven or wherever the hell he's supposed to be in this movie. I don't know. He's just in the abyss. It's just a black abyss. He does talk about it today, Anna, when she brings him back. He flew 
a fucking plane, which was probably made out of a Meccano set, Dave, which was just like <laughs> two pieces of fucking metal with a few nuts and bolts. Yeah, right. it's, pro- it's probably got one. It's probably got an accelerator, something to control the flaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, probably no, it. So, right. So I'd have believed it if they'd done what they did in the Transformers, Dave, where they go to like a museum, and you know that I think it's Blackbird in it or something. One of the one of the old planes becomes like a transformer on it or something like that. If a I remember spit, correctly, Spitfire, isn't it? Is it a Spitfire? Is it, is it something the, like that. The movie, they, they you mean? Something. Yeah, the Transformers movie. They do something in the I might have the third one where they go to some museum. So Spit Spitfire's the only kind of Autobot plane, isn't he? Because he he defected from the Decepticons. So so I remember he was there because oh, not Ray Fiennes. Oh, it's doing my head in now. He does the Dempsey. No, he he does the Bet Three Six Five adverts. Cockney Geezer. Ray Winston. Ray Winston. I'm sure he did the voice, didn't he, for Spitfire? Ah, it might be them. Maybe it's him then, yeah. There's something where the go of its time, and this is a hell of a reach. Someone's going to be listening to this going, Chris, what are you talking about? But what what I mean is, if if Steve Trevor's going to fly a plane and go to Egypt, right, he should surely go to some sort of museum where the planes he flew were there and readily available. So he's acclimatised to what he's doing. No. He gets straight into a fucking absolute fighter pilot's plane and can fly it. I mean, that that is like me or you getting in an HGV truck. And I can drive trucks, but I can't drive an HGV with a with a trailer. <laughs> and me getting in there and going, I'll tell you what, I'll have a go. Or getting in a tank <laughs> yeah. and going, yeah, I can have a go at that. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, would you? Well, what about how did they get in there in the first place? What clearance has she got? And, and no. I tell you what, if I'm going to steal a plane, I probably wouldn't get a taxi to drop me off right in front of the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, the, <laughs> yeah. So the fact that he's just like, oh yeah, I can fly this, just because he's a pilot, like you say, planes were very different back then. But again, it's just I guess we've got to go with it. But then we get the. Um, Diana's now got a power that can make things invisible. She can make, she's made, she tried a coffee cup and got that, but then she lost it, which actually I quite like that line. Yeah, <laughs> um, so then she makes the whole plane invisible. And so this, I don't know if you remember Super Friends. I, I remember it more, the invisible plane from uh, Super Friends. But she makes the outside of the plane completely invisible. But inside of the plane is is not. They can see each other and stuff. <laughs> it's like I, it's just you, you can't think too deeply about any of this. And and the thing is, I, I know there's going to be people who, who are thinking, look, you're talking about you know an Amazon princess who's living in the same world as Batman, Superman. So none of this has to make sense. But I disagree. I think the, the thing for me that makes things feel real is when you take you know our world our reality and then you you make some minor changes you know so it's not too ridiculous it's not too out there and that's what makes it feel ridiculous but when you the further away the more leaps that you get the the, just the more unrealistic and silly it seems and and that invisible plane bit, I don't know why, that just really grated on me, though. It was just like, oh, come on, this this is a bridge too far. 
Yeah, and I think as well, Dave, what makes it even better is they've not teleported. They're fucking fuel on that tr- that plane. They are <laughs> short-distance planes. They are talking to maybe a 1,000 miles, and then you've got to come back to yeah. base. They're about attacking somewhere, getting in and getting out. They're not a fucking carrier plane that can, you know, like a, a, a what's it called, a Hercules, which can fly for 20 hours or something. These planes have got to be up and yeah. back. And there was just no continuity of that. And Steve just knew everything straight away. And I was like, <laughs> I can reach for anything. If I love a film, I'll ignore it. And I, I was like, this is just, it was like once every scene, there was something where you were like, but that just wouldn't happen. What What is what, going on What here? about the fact that she even explains to him about radar? What an invisible yeah. plane doesn't fucking <laughs> stop you being seen by radar, does it? Not really, no. So, so the fact that they've called it out, oh, Chris, it just feels so sloppy to me. It does. It does, David. And like you said about um, Max, Max Lord, he's going round granting wishes. He gets his business up and running. He's an oil baron, in he? Someone's been on TV. He keeps doing this stupid like slogan off one of his adverts, very similar to the guy, you know, I'll buy that for a dollar off Robocop. You know, he's got some weird slogan. <laughs> yeah, it's like... And, I, I, it reminds me of Brian off uh, Family Guy. It's see it, want it, take it, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, he isn't a convincing baddie. And the fact that Barbara is aligned with Diana through pretty much the whole movie, We I know they're not together a lot, but, but the, the, the sort of acquaintances, they're not friends. There's no backstory. And I've even read online that Diana and her are really good friends in the comics, aren't they, Dave? And, and they're not always at war and, and things like that. With, is that right with Cheetah? I honestly don't really touch Wonder Woman comics, um, so no idea. Okay, so, so I've only read some story. Those are DC guys, Dave. If they're still speaking to me after this, obviously. But, um, um, but yeah, I, I genuinely thought that there was more there to it. If they were like, she was Diana's assistant and they were great mates and Diana had sort of ignored her and stuff and there was a little bit of resentment, you know, like that sort of stuff, you can believe it, but Diana was only anything but nice to her. And Max is going around, like I say, he sees the president, he's he's granting wishes. You know, the, the, the biggest sin for this movie for me was when they go to the Middle East and Max goes to see that prince, doesn't he? And he wants to sort of help he wants him to align with Max and he fucks Max off and Max goes, right, well I'm gonna take your army with you. And <laughs> we get this cavalcade of of a, a battle scene. So Steve Trevor is driving some sort of armored tank type truck. Diana's there with him. And honestly, it's one of the worst CGI things I've seen in a in a long time. And I'm talking even about X-Men Wolverine where there was no CGI in the dodgy copy ad and it got filled in afterwards because that got pirated to hell years ago um is they, they go on this thing and like you say she can't push two tanks apart and stuff like that and i'm watching it thinking she's supposed to be a stronger superman she gives him a, a run for his money is this about a gaining more inner strength and from the amazon and all this stuff it, I, it's not told very well it's a bit where these two kids playing in the middle yeah. of a fucking war 
zone and they're playing fucking hopscotch or something in the middle of the road and they can't hear this cavalcade of- I was going to say it's the middle of the fucking desert and they can't hear all these all this commotion all these vehicles steaming guns, down the road every, yeah yeah guns everything and they're just playing and Diana gets a bit of a, a jump from Steve he gives her a little bit she gets a nudge she flies through the air and picks them up but when she picks them up, you, you're sort of waiting for it to sort of like put them at the side of the road and then carry on with the the thingy. So it's slightly different what they did. And I'll give them that. But the execution of it is she has to hold these two kids. It shows them actually falling from the front. And they're clearly dummies. It's clearly all CGI or it's CGI kids. And they would have been pretty much dead, Dave, because you oh, can clearly yeah. see the heads bounce off the floor. And I'm watching it like, Holy fuck! Have they forgot to add in the CGI? It's real. That bit for me was terrible. It, it really was. Bad. It did look pretty bad. And and we went back and we watched the 2002 Spider-Man, didn't we, with Tobey Maguire? And we said that you know they clearly haven't got the CGI sorted there. You know the the proper motion capture and whatever. But that CGI in Wonder Woman 84 felt like that. That there was no weight to the characters or anything, and and it just wasn't realistic and yeah it, it looked pretty bad but i was still scratching my head trying to think well is is she losing her powers or not because th- th- you know without superhuman invulnerability you're you are toast you know after that situation but explain this one as well to me chris why where is the leap they've mentioned monkey paw i guess um Oh, maybe that's the trade-off. So she she wished for Steve to come back. And again, if you're dealing in a world like this, I don't know why they had to make Steve Rogers another bloke. She wants to wish he's coming back, just make it him. You don't have to make the whole fact that it's, all right, we're seeing uh, Chris Pine, but actually it's the other bloke. (laughs) We don't have to get with that whole thing. He could have just evaporated into dust. But... Suddenly he decides that, okay, you know, you're going to have to renounce this wish kind of thing and I'm, I'm going to have to go away. I don't understand. How, how did he come to that conclusion? I don't know. I, I, I had to go back and uh, re-watch that bit because I missed it completely. Like, he just disappears off camera and just says, right, you've got to go. And he's it's, it's supposed to give her her powers back. But I don't know how she can do that. Because Max is the one who's granting all the wishes. So surely she has to have a conversation with him. But it just, him going off screen gives her the power to then fly. And I found that was just fucking stupid. I, I really did. I, I, I'm i so disappointed, Dave, in this. I really am. I don't want to be a moaning get and, and just really shit on it. Because I was so excited to watch this. And I just think this 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 loads of things you've got to go back on and watch. And... I kept thinking at first, is it because I'm not a comic book fan? Will this service the comic book world? As in, is it going to be an amazing movie that everyone who's read the Wonder Woman comics knows the origins? Are they going to come out and go, this was amazing? Now, I saw plenty of previews before, Dave, from loads of people saying how good it was. And I do have to question what movie they're watching to me. Everyone's opinions matter. Everyone has their own opinion on what you love. Hence you when you've come out of VHS from all of Burt Reynolds films. Everyone else thought these <laughs> are fucking terrible. So so reviews and opinions make the world go round. I am not standing here going, what the hell are you talking about? This is a shit movie. It's not a shit movie as such, but I just think it's 
it's almost four Dark World levels of disappointment from the first for me. I, I'm hoping the third one, which I'll be, I'll be excited to to watch because I know they're, they're supposed to be fast-tracking it already into pre-production just to get it out the door. Um, I hope that the third one hits it out the park because the, the, the stuff in this is just all over the place for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. Where are they going to set it? I, You know... <sighs> It's an interesting one, isn't it, Chris? And and I do think people are all over the map more so than I've. I can't think of another movie where opinion is so polarized, because, like you say, some people are, you know, for the initial screenings for this, people are going, "Oh, this is amazing! This is brilliant!" And you have to think, "Wow, is it? Is it purely the love of the character?" Is it seeing the character that you love in some new content and, you know, some new situations, that love just carries you through what essentially isn't isn't a good movie, you know? And and I say that with, with you know, disappointment because I, I was really expecting quite a lot from this. If I look at IMDb, Chris, so, you know, they have a scale 1 to 10, We've said, you know, to get below four, you've got to be pretty terrible. Now, Wonder Woman at the moment scores at a 5.5. We've just yesterday reviewed Hell Comes to Frogtown with Randy Roddy Piper. (laughs) (laughs) That was (laughs) 5.6. Now, let's put it right out there. Wonder Woman 84 is much better than Hell Comes to Frogtown. But I think they are grading on a, a slight curve there. Hell Comes to Frogtown is this silly little, you know, 80s B-movie uh, set in an apocalyptic world. Wonder Woman is a $200 million film, you know, built from a character, not starting from nothing. You know, this is a sequel to a very successful first movie. And I think we can rightly expect, you know, quite a lot from this. Um Rotten Tomatoes, which is your favorite, we've got a 60% uh, rating on the tomato meter, and we've got 74% on the audience score on Metacritic. Um, now, this is interesting, Chris. On Met- The meta score is 60. Now, the user score, so out of 10, is 4.2. Yeah. So, so there's just no consensus with this at all. It's it's literally all over the map, and you know if I look at some of the, um, there's too many reviews that I'm not going to read out all the words. But if I just let me refresh the page, so if any new ones have come through, I'm going to sort by review date. So here we go. First one I've got at the minute is eight out of ten. Excited at every moment in the movie. Next one, one out of ten. I wish I hadn't seen this movie. How to renounce or unsee it. Next one, five out of ten. Nothing happened in the first 40 minutes of the movie. One out of ten. Subject, just Gal Gadot. (laughs) Um, Next one, four out of ten. Three out of ten. One out of ten. One out of ten. Three out of ten. Two out of ten. One out of ten. I think there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot in the middle ground here. And I don't know if it's are some people getting it. Are they on the inside of the joke? And like I say, I think the, I think the thing that the joke might be is that it's made to be an eighties movie, not just set in the eighties. Yeah, 
Yeah. Even, uh, sorry, even just discussing it with you now and thinking about it and trying to think back to it through that lens, I still think it's a big disappointment. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I do, and I think that's a great point, what you've just said, Dave, because, you know, we do this and we poke a lot of fun at different things. And what was interesting was the other day, the first one was on TV and I watched half an hour of it. Uh, and the bit where they're going through the, you know, the World War One, and they're going mm-hmm. through the, uh, the German, well, the contact the the villages and all that stuff, and you've got that through whole Belgium thing. and stuff, yeah, Belgium, sorry, sorry, through Belgium, and you get the whole scene where she goes over like, into no man's land, and the music and everything's dead powerful. I love that music. I love it in Batman v Superman when she comes in at the end. I fucking love that bit with her, her music, so powerful. But in this, it just fell it, it was diluted, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a brilliant point, actually. So, so one of the, I mean, I, I've said before, Batman versus Superman is not one of my favorites. I think the Ultimate Cut is a bit better, but what is really powerful and bursts off the screen is when she shows up, and you get that yeah. pounding like, you know, here, and it's it's nothing to do with the sound system. You know, it, it just literally was dialed down to like a, a three or four out of ten. And I'm like, no, why are you doing that? I've said before my criticism about not using the John Williams score for, for Superman. Well, okay, that, that's an artistic choice. But here, they've used her music, but just in a very faint way. It, it doesn't burst out at all at any moment in this movie. And I, I cannot... Obviously, it's an artistic choice, but I, I think it's the wrong one. I do. I, I think that's. I think you're right. Like we, as we're both talking, and then you, you look at like you get this thing with Barbara. So they've had a set set to a set to a set to <laughs> in the White House, and then Steve goes, and and obviously um, Cheetah gets the better of Diana, and then they have a proper fight. Then don't they? Where Diana's got this yellow gold suit on. And she looks ridiculous. She doesn't look like she can even move in it, Dave. You know, it just looks <laughs> utterly stupid. But she's got it on. And, and like I say, I think I think I feel sorry for Gal Gadot because, you know, this movie was put back a couple of times, you know, a couple of times for production issues. Then obviously the whole bloody pandemic lockdown thing has just completely ruined this. And even the Black Widow and things like that, they should have been out this year. This was their time to, to really shine. And I would have loved to have seen this in the cinema, despite what I think of it properly. Um, and I think that's what's going to be the shame with the Black Widow is, is it's going to end up being the way the world's going, Dave. It's going to be a, a, a watch at home job, you know. So you need the proper surround sound and everything to really engross yourself, isn't it? But I think with, with Gal Gadot, is I think she's just been let down, Dave. You know, like the, the way it's been caught, it might not be anything to do with her herself, but it's what I don't want. I'll be honest with you, Dave, because it's how shit. I think this movie is. I fucking tell you now, I don't want a let's free the Patty Jenkins fucking cut <laughs> because this is bullshit. You know it's coming. We're going to get some fucking dildos online. No, there's another cut that no one's seen that's far better. The Snyder cut, I- I'm going to watch it because it's Superman. He's got Henry Cavill back. He's got Ben Affleck back, stuff like that. I don't think personally, I don't mind that movie at all. I like the end bit when Superman comes in um, against Steppenwolf. I really do. I don't think you're going to be able to improve on it that much, Dave. And I know it was going to be four one-hour bits. Now it's just going to be an extended movie, isn't it? There's only so much they can do. No, I think it's going to be four. You can either watch it as a four-hour movie or or four 
one hour oh, right. oh, episode. Right. So I, read that wrong. I don't, I don't I think it, it. Yeah, I don't think for a second initially his vision was was that. And the thing is, you know, this whole Snyder Cut thing. It's supposedly, you know, it it was mostly shot. Where well, why are all these people being cast now and all these massive reshoots? I, I, for me, this is more. Now he gets all the toys, and because of what's happened, he gets to have his own way and basically can ask for anyone he wants. So you're getting, you know, Deathstroke coming in, you're getting Joker coming in as well. So I am going to be intrigued, and obviously we're we're going to watch it. But you know what it does my head in, Chris? It's just popped up now. This this restore the Snyderverse hashtag, because someone at the someone at Warner Brothers has basically said, oh well, this. We'll do this, you know, the whole Snyder Cut thing, but it's it's a storytelling cul-de-sac, you know, it's not going to go. And then so all the fucking nerds are coming out of the woodwork again, and it's like, restore the Snyderverse, because, you know, he had a whole vision, you know, which started off with Man of Steel, and, and then he, he had it all plotted out, and then the people in power at Warner Brothers at the time wanted him to cut it down, and yada, yada, yada. And that's kind of one of the things that led to kind of what we got in the end. But it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm done with this now. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm intrigued to watch it, right? Fair enough. If it is brilliant, right, and it absolutely wows us, then I'll be saying, all right, okay, well, let's let's build on top of this, maybe. I want to see more of that. I don't think I'm going to say, say that at all, <laughs> to be honest, Chris. You know, we've done 300 on this, haven't we? We've done uh, Watchmen. And what what I don't really think I need to see is like a Watchmen version of Justice League, which is kind of what I think we're gonna get. But you know, like I say, we'll watch it, and I'll I'll eat some humble pie if it turns out to be brilliant. But I, it's just we're in a bit of a weird time at the minute because you know the um, the hashtag Snyder Cut thing got so much momentum and and you know this community's got its own way i just wonder how many other things you've got the bloody david air um suicide squad cut supposedly i don't think that's got as much momentum yet but you know it's just chris i want to watch the movie and then I'll decide for myself if I've enjoyed it. We'll come on here, we'll try and dissect it, and, and you know, sometimes my opinion will waver a little bit. But I agree, I, I don't I don't want to see another cut of this. No, and, and I, I, I agree. When we talked about this at the time, Birds of Prey came out early this year. I thought it was a good movie. I love Michael Robbie. I really do. He's uh, Harley Quinn. Absolutely love her. And I'm looking forward to the, the James Gunn-directed Suicide Squad because I believe the John Cena character and a couple of the others are really strong and it really good. He's going to get his own uh, oh, Peacemaker one looks good. Peacemaker, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look good. And John Cena and John Cena's a great... He's like the rock, I think, in some respects, where he has a comedy element to... His acting, which is, and I think John Cena's probably better than The Rock. I've seen a lot of his movies. The, I like John Cena. Yeah, I think uh, some of his his comedy timing's pretty good. I love The Rock. You know that, but I love. But I think John Cena's got a, a niche with the comedy stuff, almost at the level, Dave. Now, I think you're going to shoot me down on this, but of um, Batista, you know, like the the whole Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. He, I, there's something there with him. Yeah, maybe. I've I've not seen him. I I saw him in a Nickelodeon movie what was it now fighting with fire or something like that um 
we just got one of these screener things, so I took the kids along. Um, I, I thought he was pretty funny in that. I've not seen him do anything to the level of Batista doing Drax, though. I mean, see, you know me, wrestling fan. I've watched loads of his movies. Have you seen the one called Blockers, Dave? No, no. Right, so so he's a dad of these three of them, these three parents who are basically cock-blocking their own kids. Their own kids are going to, like, a party thing, and they know they're going to lose the virginity. So he teams up with his, like, soccer mom and this dweeby guy to try and stop the kids fucking sleeping with, um, with these lads. And it's a top film. It's a bit like an R-rated one from about a year or so ago, but it's pretty funny. Have you seen uh, the one with the, the Christmas one with uh, Mel Gibson and stuff and uh, Mark Wahlberg? Is it Daddy's Home? And uh, Will right, Ferrell's okay. in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's one. good in that. He's good in the fair. second one. Yeah, yeah. He's only in the first one briefly because he's fucking massive at the end on the bike. But the second one is pretty funny. He, he doesn't say he's a very seriously. But yeah, you could be right. I could be wrong. But that does look good, that. But what I would say is... I'm getting pissed off. You know I love Superman, and I will watch this, and I'm really hoping it's something I can add to my collection. Uh, you know, because I, I think I'm hoping that we really get this the whole story, the black Superman outfit and all that stuff that they go on about that's in, like, the outtakes and different things. And I hope it's worth it. But like I say, birds of prey, straight away, we need an, we, we've got another cut. Are we going to keep doing that with movies that fanboys and fangirls love? but they're actually pretty shit like this. And then we're just going to keep recutting it until they're happy because that's not the point of cinema. That is just not the point for me. Yeah. And, and you know what I think started this off, Chris? Oh, I'm trying to... Margot Kidder. <laughs> right? <laughs> Margot Kidder started this by, you know, I think it was in an interview she'd said at some point, oh, there's a whole cut that, you know, was Richard Donner's whole vision of of uh, what Superman 2 was going to be. And everyone's like, oh, in the vault somewhere, there's this movie that exists, and th- this was his original vision, you know. And then eventually we got it. And you watch the bits, and you're like, okay, some of them are a bit better, some of them are a bit worse. Actually, I don't really prefer either they're they're both you know it's just different isn't it the donica yeah yeah but it's a movie that just stands out on its own because it doesn't make sense anymore because they took some of the stuff out of the second one and put it in the first one so in terms of continuity and and you know they 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 weren't sticking back then as much to continuity as say they are now but it's still just it doesn't make sense does it you can't no. get to there because unless you went back and you changed, you did a Donner cut of Superman one and changed that whole storyline. So for me, it's just like a, I don't know. It's just a movie that's there. Do I really care about it? Am I glad that this exists in the universe? Not really. They, it was George Lucas who said, wasn't it? That, um, and I don't think he was the first person to say it, but he just kind of latched onto it that you never actually finish a movie; you just stop working on it, and it gets released. Yeah, and and I kind of believe in that. You know, release the damn movie, learn your lessons from that, and then go on and create something new. I, I yeah, I'm I'm not entirely comfortable. Is probably the bottom line of of where we're going with this conversation, Chris, and just where we are at the minute, and just just a bit bored by the whole you know release a different cut of whatever movie it is because you're never going to satisfy anyone, are you? 
No, and I think and and I think what you've just hit on is quite similar to me as a gamer. What happens with games? Games get released, i.e., like Cyberpunk has just been released, and it's a fucking woeful, bug-ridden game. But because the studio has got so many uh, passes from people because they made games like The Witcher and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking mess, Dave. Anyone else? And they got slaughtered online, quite right. They've had to refund people. They've had to, there's loads of things they've had to do because of it. I've stopped playing it because it's, it's just a mess. Like you're talking in cutscenes, and the guy talking to you has got a gun right through his head in some of them. And then you're getting stuck in like uh, elevators you can't get yeah. out of. You've got people shooting you and you can't even see them. It's really bad. And, and the QA stuff, but the comparisons to computer games, we're doing these, these, uh, remakes, remasters, whatever they're doing is very similar to what they do in a game. They release a game in, say, 90% completion state. And then pretty much it's up to the community then to start giving them aggro and saying, this is broke, this is a bug, this is this. And then they'll, and then eventually a couple of months later, most of the games are 100%. It's very rare you get a game now that comes out of the box and it's perfect. Yeah. Like the old Mega Drive games years ago, and SNES, you could never patch them. PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, you couldn't patch them. They came out in that state, and it was very rare that they were turkeys. And that even if the game wasn't good, they, they ran well on the hardware. And I'm wondering whether this is what, because of the world we're living in and the digital age, whether they can literally just patch a movie and go, like what they're doing now, they're just trying to make something bad good whether you like it or not. And I, I, I think this is going to come for this this Wonder Woman. I really do. I'm not sure. I, th- I think what you're going to get, Chris... The people who enjoy this movie are going to be very vocal about loving this movie, right? And like I say, I don't know what the motivation for that is. Maybe it's just the love of the character. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, unlike, you know, when me and you talk about stuff and we dissect things, we're, we're you know, picking out plot holes and where things don't make sense and what have you. But maybe if, if you can just kind of park your brain, just go along for the ride maybe those people will, will love it but i don't think this has to be two and a half hours there's not enough that happens to warrant that i think you could quite easily cut out at least half an hour out of this movie yeah um, i think so yeah and and i don't know uh, yeah I, I i i think broadly speaking this is not good but I do think uh, there'll be a vocal minority who who will absolutely love it. Um, one one thing, sort of before we go into our kind of final review, Chris, I do want to just pick another nit though, right? Because again, I've talked about Barbara's motivation being paper thin, but also you know about how some of the dialogue just doesn't stack up. It doesn't make sense, like the whole thing with the radar. When when Barbara, like, she goes toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman. And, you know, because Wonder Woman's kind of losing her powers, again, we're not really sure how much because, you know, one minute she's jumping 100 foot in the air, then, you know, kicking everyone's ass, and then the next minute she's, she seems to be losing her powers. Barbara tells um, Max she wants to be an apex predator. Well... And so that may, that's that's how she becomes cheetah, and I'm like, that's the apex predator is the one who sits at the top of the food chain. It's like the predator. So sure, surely she'd be a fucking lion or something. Yes. Yeah. We all yeah. know that you know we were taught very early on at school, weren't we, that the cheetahs are the fastest land animal, but actually that's over short distances. 
and they're a bit shit, really. So if they don't catch their prey quite quickly, you know, they're, they're in a bit of trouble. And they're certainly not the biggest cats. And I just thought, again, it's just, it just seems really lazy to me to say, oh, I want to be the apex predator. But it doesn't actually stack up. That's not what an apex predator is. And so, yeah, I thought that was that was crap. I didn't think the CGI was as bad as, you know, when we saw it, the cheetah in the trailer, she was quite bad, wasn't she? But essentially, yeah. Barbara had been powered up, right? She got, she wished that she was like Diana. So I'm thinking, right, well, she's on a par with Diana now. And then she gets a bit of a power up from there to become the cheetah. So why the fuck does Electrocutina in the water not affect Diana, but it somehow incapacitates Cheetah? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fucking bollocks, isn't it, really? Yeah. I, I just... Ah, yeah, and, and again, I don't know. The whole gold suit, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I recognise that from Injustice, to be honest, more than anything. Um seemed to be a bit of an excuse, you know, to get this whole uh, story about hysteria, you know, and so she's just got this this fucking massive gold piece of armor just in her flat there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, personally, I, I didn't think it looked particularly good, but I was more offended, to be honest, by, by the weak way that she kind of defeated Cheetah there. But then she catches up to Max, and I can't tell. She's doing this whole, like, speech and i'm not sure is it supposed to be a meta thing is she is diana there or gal gadot is she supposed to be speaking to the whole world about not wishing for things and you know everyone else in the world because she seems to be breaking the fourth wall there to me i didn't even pick up on that you know when she's talking about you know renouncing your wishes and things it, it seemed to be she was looking into the camera Ah, right, right, yeah, right, like a subliminal message sort of thing. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, well, I don't know, but yeah, again, I mean, you you take someone, you take Max, his motivation is suddenly, you know, he's he's become this dreamstone type thing. Uh, he he wants to take over the world. You know, he's caused basically almost like this apocalyptic event because he's, you know granting everyone's wishes is fucking it up for everyone else. So if everyone does that, it, you just end up with a very fucked up situation. Um, but then, you know, saying all these words, suddenly he's had his come to Jesus moment and he's, and like his son's now the, the most important thing in the world. And he has to renounce his wish, stop his maniacal plots, take over the world essentially, and, and go and seek out his son. That's just, again, incredibly thin, Chris. Yeah, it is thin. I, I agree. I totally agree. So, Dave, I think we've done enough talking. Shall we get into our review score? <laughs> Let's go. I've got a good feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dave, I'll, I'll go first. I, I do remember your Man of Steel scoring, so I've never forgiven you for that <laughs> ever, Dave, ever. What fucking difference that was. I was top and you were bottom. But anyway... With this, I, I will watch it again. I do like Gal Gadot. I do like the dynamic of her and Chris, and Chris Pine. I just think it's a shit movie. I don't know whether it's been lost on the cutting room floor. I don't want to see a fucking remaster or uh, the Patty Jenkins fucking cut or whatever nonsense that's going to come and try and justify that. It's just a poor movie. And and I have seen 
far more people say it's a bad movie than say it's good, Dave. I have. A lot of my friends who are not comic book fans have watched it now, and they're like, this is rubbish. You know, it, 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 what is going on? What's happened to the movie from between this and the first one? And she's one of the she's one of the strongest characters, Wonder Woman. And I know it's an origin story again, which is hopefully going to lead by the third one up to when she meets Batman and all that stuff. I just don't think they execute very well. And the Superman 3 shit at the start is terrible. He wasn't good in Superman 3, so let alone <laughs> fucking 25 fucking years later or 35 years later, he's not improved that slapstick shit. And that's the whole basis of the film. That's I found even more baffling. I, I wouldn't mind if they'd made this while we're in lockdown and they've had to, not a lot of tools to go with. They've had to, this film has been pretty much done since 2018 bar some reshoots last year. Uh, and it's just sat there on a shelf and it's been put back twice. So so it's like, what the hell have they been doing with it? How are they satisfied with this, in my opinion, anyway? So I think, I've been thinking, where do I put it? Where do I put it? But I think I'm going to send it to Hell's Kitchen, Dave. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen and I will watch it again. But it's certainly, it's it's forgettable. And I really, really don't want to be sat here in a year's time saying, Dave, they're doing a fucking recut or whatever. Because it's like, come on, it, it's just shit for me so what about yourself yeah I, I don't think we're going to be too far apart to be honest i i just think like we said the the music i, I do look love a bit of nostalgia you know and uh love bumblebee i thought that did a much better job of you know using contemporary music uh putting it in there making it feel like the 80s with the fashion and everything with this, the the only thing that I can rationalize is that they've tried to make a movie as if it was made in the um, in the eighties. That's the only way I can rationalize it because the other way is, well, actually, it's just a lazy half-ass script that was rushed together because so much doesn't make sense. Um, the length of the movie just doesn't feel right. It it's quite ponderous you know and and i I just yeah two hours should be tops for a movie like this i think it it doesn't have enough to say that warrants a two and a half hour movie and i'll never get that two and a half hours back (laughs) so um yeah and why why would you not make the wonder woman theme music more pronounced throughout the movie as well if you're making these big set pieces that's when you know to to really give us that you know get the blood pumping that's that's a great little um score so why they've kind of toned that down and diluted it i'll i'll never know um but yeah i I just you can't send this to the bottom because i will i watch it again I'm actually not sure if I will, Chris. Um, if this was a Marvel movie, I, this would be down near the bottom. Um, I, I, there's nothing I don't think that happens in this. You know, like, uh, so Return the... Not Return the Jedi. Um, the Last Jedi. You yeah. know, again, a little bit like this in that, you know, the the user feedback is kind of all over the place. There are some people who really love it. There's some people who really hate it and lots of people in between. But you can see that there are set pieces in that movie, like the throne room scene, you know, which really stand out. I can't think in this movie of anything in particular that stands out as like being a great action sequence, being a, you know, something that tugs on the heartstrings. I think my 
small Grinch-like heart did flicker a little bit when she had to say a goodbye um, to Chris Pine, you know, to um, to Steve. But, but that was it. There's nothing really memorable about this that will make me go back to it. So for me, I think it's a Hell's Kitchen. And to be honest, it's scraping a Hell's Kitchen. Um, I, I think I'm almost giving it that because I think other people will get enjoyment out of it but just not really myself and I did watch this with the kids as well and you know again like yourself Steve uh, Steve Chris <laughs> fucking you've turned into uh, Steve, Steve haven't you Steve, yeah. <laughs> I bet you Gal wish Gadot. I bet you wish you did didn't you oh yeah I'm, I'm Steve Trevor me <laughs> Fucking studied up on World War One planes. Um, I've lost my thread there. Oh no! So the kid said to me, "You know, just wasn't very good." They didn't. Yeah. They didn't particularly hate it. It just just wasn't very good. So, you know, and usually there's a there's a bit of a new movie bounce. You know, the the latest thing you've seen that's pretty good becomes the the kid's favorite thing. So so we didn't even get that. So I do think this is pretty poor. Don't quite know what's going on with it. I just hope if they're going to commission a third, that they kind of learn their lessons from the second one. They go back to, you know, the essence of what they created in that first movie, because, you know, we love that one. They sort of hit it out of the park. And this one's just a, a massive misfire for me. Yeah, definitely. No, so hey, Dave, cracking explanation as well. Uh, so, guys, if you want to contact us, as always, at Comics Emotion P, if you want to email us, the Comics Emotion Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you do get a chance, drop us a review on your podcast catching up on the show. And as all, we have also loads more shows on the channel now and on the feed. So, there's definitely something out there. If you're absolutely into your Star Wars stuff, we've got Star Wars comics in canon, indie comics, indie comics spotlight. Uh, we've got superheroes for dummies, Dave, haven't we? We've got, um, yeah, and also uh, Matthew B. Lloyd's classic comics as well. What's the topic? Yeah, with Matt and Luke. <laughs> Still makes you laugh. Well, anyway. we'll... <laughs> yeah. Hey, when will we be famous? Yeah. <laughs> and occasionally, and, and we need to pull our finger out. We need to get on uh, another comics in uh, comics on trial. So, I said at some point I'll do the the two thousand three Daredevil movie. So, so yeah, lots of stuff, lots of content to to get your teeth into. Good stuff, Dave. So, Mister Horrocks, thank you for today, and I'm. I'm it was interesting talking about this, especially because fucking Big Gob had ruined it for everyone before. But um, <laughs> no, I've really enjoyed it, mate. And uh, I'll see you next week. Well, just before we go, though. <laughs> so okay, next one week. More thing, one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Yeah, Columbo style. Talking of the 80s. So um, next week, we'll be covering Lone Ranger. So starring Johnny Depp. I think um, Mike is going to go on to Tony's Indie Comics Spotlight show to look at that Dynamite comic. So I thought it'd be interesting. I've never seen this, Chris. I've seen Me bits either. of it. You've not seen it either? Oh. Yeah, I think I was just a bit Johnny Depped out at this time. and uh, So it's going to be interesting to go back and kind of watch this. And I think the fact that he is playing, you know, a, a, a Native American just doesn't quite sit right with me as well. But... I think we should do it. We should go and uh, and see, and it, you know, might be all right. 
Exactly, exactly. So are we are uh, playing the trailer then, Dave? Yeah, let's go. Alexander the Great. No man could travel faster than the horse that carried him. Not anymore. Imagine time and space under the mastery of man. Power that makes emperors and kings look like fools. Whoever controls this controls the future. One good man must wear a mask. Now, Chris, now we can go. I'll <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Tell me, Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here. Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he's good. Oh!